This is Beach Weekly. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 8 of Beach Weekly, a podcast created and produced by Long Beach State student-run newspaper, The Daily 49er. I'm your host, Isabel Salachi, and I just want to say congratulations to everybody listening because we have officially made it to the halfway point of the semester. Go team! To celebrate our illustrious victory, we have a very exciting episode ahead, so let's dive on in. The Muslim Student Association at Long Beach State is seeing growth in its membership and is just one example of young American Muslims being one of the fastest growing demographics in the United States. The increase in Muslim students can be attributed to the growth in the national population, as well as to the inclusion of more resources for them on college campuses. Some of these resources on college campuses include prayer spaces, Muslim chaplains, and Muslim student clubs and organizations. However, leaders of the Long Beach State's Muslim Student Association noted that despite the growth of their organization, they continue to feel judgment and discrimination from others on campus. A former Daily 49er journalist won a settlement from the LA County Sheriff's Department last week. Pablo Unzueta, a former Long Beach State student and now a professional photojournalist, won a $90,000 settlement after suing the Sheriff's Department following his arrest in 2020. Unzueta filed the lawsuit relating to an incident when Unzueta was photographing the protest of a black man who was killed by LA police in summer of 2020. Unzueta's lawyer said law enforcement ordered the protesters to evacuate the area and that Unzueta had been in compliance when he was arrested. Allegations brought against the LA County Sheriff's Department in the court documents include illegal arrest, strip searching, illegal confiscation of property, as well as an illegal search of Unzueta's devices, which he had with him at the protest. Unzueta said the protest was dispersing because the Sheriff's Department was quote-unquote filing projectiles and that he continued to photograph the event as he was running. Unzueta said he tried to identify himself as a journalist and not a protester, but that he was arrested anyway. Unzueta said that the officers still put him in the truck and his phone and camera were taken away. All of his photography from the protest was lost when his camera was returned to him without the memory card. Unzueta agreed to the settlement with LA County Sheriff's Department after the arrest and unlawful seizure following the protest. Long Beach's new housing element encourages Long Beach State students to build their own housing. The city of Long Beach's new housing element, which is amongst the first to be certified in the state, makes room for 28,000 units, 13,000 of which are reserved for affordable housing, but with no specific plan on how to support students. The plan promises to increase affordable housing in Long Beach to 11%. However, many students do not normally qualify for these programs and public subsidies. Currently, Long Beach State has on and off campus housing, but only enough to accommodate 1,372 of its approximately 40,000 students. Not quite enough. So under the city's current zoning laws, there is space for 3,000 affordable housing units and 13,000 moderate to above moderately priced units. They anticipate a need of 26,000 units over the next eight years, 11,000 of which have been deemed affordable. The Long Beach City Council has not passed any measures in the new plan that would directly alleviate the housing shortage and affordability issues that Long Beach State students face, citing that it only makes up a 10% of the population and plans on improving housing conditions overall. Long Beach State students and faculty may not know that a physical therapy clinic exists on campus. For the price of $50 per session, patients can get evaluated and receive treatment all within the span of one 
one hour. The main challenge that the clinic faces is that there hasn't been a clinic director since before the pandemic. The new clinic director, Bryce Rosby, wants to expand the outreach and awareness of the clinic on campus after taking on the role at the beginning of this academic year. With state-of-the-art equipment and physical care for the community, the PT at the Beach Clinic staff's goal is to provide quality service, but also to create and maintain awareness of physical therapy on campus. The clinic, located in the Life Fit Center in the Kinesiology Building, is available to everyone on campus as well as the surrounding Long Beach community. All right, let's take a look at a few headlines from across California this week. An attorney representing the family of LAPD officer Houston Tipping, who died during a training exercise this past spring, is claiming that Tipping was targeted and killed after filing a report accusing four fellow LAPD officers of sexually assaulting a woman. According to ABC News, Tipping suffered a catastrophic spinal cord injury after falling to the ground during a simulation. He also had a cut on his head and fractured ribs, though it was claimed that such injuries occurred as part of the training exercise and as a result of other officers trying to save his life. After conducting an internal investigation, LAPD said that Tipping's death was a tragic accident. However, Tipping's family said they are going to file a lawsuit against LAPD for his death and claim that he was beaten in retaliation for his investigation into the sexual assault case that involved the four other officers. It should be noted that one of the four officers being investigated for the alleged sexual assault was present at the training when Tipping died. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed an array of bills into law last week, all set to take effect starting January 1st. Let's take a look at some of the new bills the governor signed. One bill will allow nurse midwives and nurse practitioners to offer abortion care throughout the state. Also, the bill will start a pilot program to distribute vending machines stocked with contraceptives and menstrual products throughout California. Another bill requires wage transparency in hiring and HR practices in an attempt to close the pay gap for women. It will also get rid of the quote-unquote pink tax that is put on products specifically marketed to women. Governor Newsom signed many other bills, some focused on combating climate change, addressing the state's housing crisis, and delivering substance abuse treatment and services. Now, here are some of the biggest headlines from across the world this past week. Last Thursday, a recently fired police officer in Thailand committed a mass killing at a government run children's daycare center. Using a handgun and a knife, the man killed 36 people, 24 of whom were children, and injured 10 others. He also killed his wife and his son before fatally shooting himself. The man was fired from the Royal Thai Police for possession of methamphetamine and was set to go on trial last Friday, according to the New York Times. The attack was one of the worst mass killings in Thailand's history, where mass shootings have occurred with increasing frequency in the last several years. Thailand's gun homicide rate is the highest in Asia, though it's still much lower than the rate in the United States. Again, that's all according to the New York Times. In the latest chapter of the Elon Musk Twitter saga, it appears that the world's richest man is going to buy the social network after all. Well, probably. Maybe? We think, but who knows, honestly. Musk's whole buying the not buying of the network is a very confusing situation for us all, so let's go back in time a little bit to figure it out. If you remember, in April of this year, Musk agreed to join Twitter's board, only to say that he didn't really want to do that a week later. He then decided to buy the network for the low, low price of $44 billion. But by July, the deal was off, which prompted Twitter's board to sue Musk. This started a back and forth of legal proceedings between Musk and Twitter and the threat of going to court over the issue. Then on October 3rd, Musk said that he would buy Twitter after all. His recent change of heart may have been because he didn't want to go to court and because text messages of him that were recently uncovered by the courts showed that he had some financial concerns over the deal. But as of now, it appears that Musk is going to buy Twitter after all. Nobel Peace
Peace Prizes were awarded to human rights activists in Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus last Thursday. The prizes were awarded to activists for their work in promoting and trying to protect human rights in the face of the war in Ukraine, and the numerous war crimes, human rights abuses, and abuses of power that have occurred as a result of the war. The choice for the prizes recipients are certainly an anti-war statement, and were coincidentally awarded on October 7th, which is Russian President Vladimir Putin's birthday. And that is all for this episode's news coverage. For our pop culture portion of the pod, we're handing the mic off to the amazing Katie Gurley. Hey everyone, this is Katie and I'm here today to talk about some of the hottest topics in pop culture this week in a segment I like to call Son of a Beach. On October 3rd, the Try Guys uploaded a video titled What Happened onto their YouTube channel following the departure of former member Ned Fulmer. The video was straight to the point and transparent to fill in the fans and the public regarding the future of the trio. Members Keith Habersberger, Eugene Lee Yang, and Zach Kornfeld shared that they began in an eternal review during Labor Day weekend after they were made aware of Fulmer's actions made by an employee, but made it clear that they did not know about the workplace relationship prior to this. We're losing a friend, Kornfeld said. We're losing someone we built a company with. We have countless memories with. This is something we took very seriously, Yang said. We refused to sweep things under the rug. That is not who we are and that is not what we stand for. Following the video, Habersberger and Kornfeld released a new episode of the Try Guys podcast called The Tripod on October 6th, joined by producer Miles Bonsignor, explaining their first reactions and feelings upon hearing about Fulmer's cheating allegations. When asked by Bonsignor if the Try Guys would have reacted differently had the internet not found out about Ned's actions, Habersberger boldly said, no, it betrayed our trust it was a workplace violation it would mean to all the people in our office who knew what they knew that we were not true to everything we say we are and our values very simply he would have been removed it would not have been this public spectacle we probably would have tried to avoid that for the sake of the other people involved some of the other members are still in shock for many reasons kornfeld said in the podcast i don't think that i really ever stopped to emotionally process it even still i don't know that i have because it was just okay we have to act we have to go this thing happened how do we react accordingly i understand the severity of the accusations against ned but also the laundry list of steps ahead and how they're feeling totally makes sense to be honest they lost a lot of their deals a lot of their content they can't even post because it includes ned and they can't post anything with all four of them now it has to be the three members and it sucks because they had a prime time spot on the food network for a show they had and now it, it got moved over to sunday I believe Sunday mornings like come on let's be honest here you're more bound to watch a show on Friday evening than Sunday morning so it just sucks they have to rebrand and that's what I think they're doing now their team is handling the situation very well they're very organized I don't think they have to restart they just got to rebrand and I and I appreciate the try guys for still having the courage to post regularly even during this time of their lives I know it's not the best like they lost a friend not just business deals but a friend a lifelong friend they thought they had for over what 10 10, 12 years? That's ridiculous. Anywho, Paris Fashion Week took place from September 26th through October 4th and showcased spring-summer 2023 clothing collections from some of the world's biggest fashion houses like 
Balenciaga, Stella McCartney, Chanel, Givenchy, Rick Owens, Victoria Beckham, Louis Vey, and many more. I don't know why. I just felt like I needed to say that like all drastically because those are big brands, you know? Many celebrities, including Doja Cat, Janet Jackson, Zendaya, Kristen Stewart, Joe Jonas, and Naomi Campbell were in attendance. So many stars, yet all eyes were on model Bella Hadid as she walked over 10 shows during Paris Fashion Week. 10 shows. That number doesn't even reflect on her appearances in London, New York, and Milan Fashion Week. She's booked and busy. So many moments at Paris Fashion Week went viral from Kanye West, known as Yay Now, wearing a White Lives Matter shirt to Doja Cat's artistic makeup looks. There was so much to talk about. However, nothing could top Bella Hadid's iconic Coperni spray on dress transformation that went viral like immediately on various social media platforms. According to the New York Times, the process took less than 10 minutes from the moment two people from the company Fabrican began spraying her body to the moment a designer from Coperni shaped the straps down her shoulders, trimmed the hem, and cut one long leg slip. The non-woven fabric can apparently be washed and reworn. The spray-on fabric was developed by a London-based company called Fabrican. Initially, when they started spraying on Hadid, many said it looked like a spider web at first until fibrous layers thickened in which instantly transformed into a pebbled fabric as it dried and fit just like a glove on the model. I kind of just became the character, whoever she is, Hadid said. She even stated that she was nervous prior to the show. With no rehearsal, Hadid made the spray-on dress moment alive with her presence, and it impressed many. I think that was the best moment of my life, she said. And as it should, Bella Hadid is booked and busy. And the thing I like about Bella Hadid the most, I know celebrities kind of have like a front, like image that they have to maintain, but this woman right here, I've seen videos of her paying thank you or saying thank you to, you know, just the chefs and cooks at the fashion show. And she offered to take a picture with them. She wanted to take a picture with them. They didn't ask. I just think that's just who she is as a person. And she deserves all the right attention. She is the moment right now. Speaking of iconic, something is scooping its way on TV, but in a different way. Originally announced at this year's New York Comic Con, it was announced that Mindy Kaling will be starring as Velma, which also shares the same title of the upcoming HBO Max series set to premiere in 2023. Velma is going to be an adult animated series, but there's major representation being implemented to the show. This time around, fans can expect something new as Kaling will be voicing Velma Dinkley, her character, and will be portrayed as a South Asian mystery solver. For this prequel series, the beloved Scooby-Doo, <laughs> take deep breath, will not be in the animated show. <laughs> oh my gosh. The news for this got me like, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? <laughs> Yes, I'm sad too, but the reasoning behind this disappearance, for now, is due to a need for change according to the Velma series team. Despite the hype, some people are criticizing the upcoming series because the change of race of a character that's been around for decades. However, Kaling wants viewers to reimagine the popular character without changing who Velma Dinkley is. She's such a great character, she's so smart, and I just couldn't understand how people couldn't imagine a really smart nerdy girl with terrible eyesight who loved to solve mysteries could not be Asian, Kaling said. Velma will take a spin on a Scooby-Doo story by having Velma Dinkley solve more adult 
mysteries on her own without the help of a certain dog and her other pals from Mystery Inc. Don't worry though, because most of the gang, minus Scooby-Doo, will partake in the series. The cast includes Sam Richardson as Norville, which in this case, it's that series Shaggy, Constance Wu as Daphne, and Glenn Howerton as Fred. You can get a closer look by watching the series trailer on the HBO Max YouTube channel. I'm excited for this, guys. I know Scooby-Doo is not going to be in it. Oh my gosh. I literally was raised on Scooby-Doo. It's been around for decades. It was like my parents' childhood as well. But this Scooby-Doo project, this new series by Mindy Kaling, who is an amazing producer, writer, and she tries to put the biggest platform on many ethnic groups. I'm not sure if you guys watched Netflix, Never Have I Ever, but I recommend you watch it. Oh my gosh, so good. I'm sorry. I just went, I just got carried away because it's such a good show. So much diverse, inclusive i'm not just talking about race i'm talking about sexuality and it kind of relates to another scooby-doo project coming out on october 16th also in hbo max come on hbo max it's gonna be titled trick-or-treat scooby-doo it's a movie project where velma in this case it's like you know the regular animation looking it's gonna be um featuring her as a member of the lgbtq community and that's gonna be exciting to see for the first time on tv but the series i'm talking about velma it's going to be a new graphic new um, animation looking it's going to be very interesting and you can tell it's going to be an adult series based on some of the teaser photos there's a picture of her glasses and there's just like blood on it trigger warning blood but you just know it's going to be good and actually this past week i'm not sure if you guys know or knew but google actually celebrated the moment of velma coming out um as part of the lgbtq i'm not sure if you guys knew this already but google actually celebrated the moment this week by showering screens with a cascade of animated confetti and various lgbtq plus flags whenever velma was searched so this is an amazing moment for both projects and i can't wait to see them both speaking of watching the wait to see black panther wakanda forever is almost over my gosh it's been forever releasing in theaters on november 11th the film is expected to be the biggest marvel film this year in the box office directed by ryan coogler queen ramanda shuri mbaku okoye and the dora malaje fight to protect their nation from intervening worlds powers in the wake of king t'challa's death as the wakanda Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter. The heroes must band together with Nakia and Everett Ross to forge a new path for their beloved kingdom. The film will honor the life of T'Challa and pay homage to the late Chadwick Boseman, who played the role. When asked the question, how do you carry on in this face of seemingly insurmountable odds in an interview, Coogler responded, Unfortunately, that question became more and more relevant, Coogler said, both for humanity as a whole, but also for the people in our production who were coming back for this one. It became super relevant when we lost our bro. Making a first appearance in the MCU, Namor will be played by Tenoch Huerta, and many fans are excited to see this movie solely based on the diverse cast alone. Like, that says a lot. But anywho, tickets to watch Black Panther Wakanda forever on sale right now. So make sure to get them now because the theater will be packed and I will be up in there with you guys. Like, let's cry together. Let's laugh together. Let's cheer on together. Oh my gosh, no words can describe even my first experience watching Black Panther, the first movie. When it first came out, I think I went in theaters three times alone and I have the movie on DVD. For me to buy a movie on DVD, it must be very impactful. And this movie was very impactful from beginning to end. The acting, the action scenes, just the vibe, the soundtrack. 
lord the soundtrack guys all the stars playing at the ending credits was just like so magical and to this day every time i listen to all the stars by kendrick lamar and SZA, i just get that tingling feeling on my arm and i just can't wait to get that goosebump feeling again this time before i go i must say this trader joe samples are back for the first time in store since the start of the pandemic in 2020 as a college student who's always on a budget i am happy about this i can just slip in trader joe's down the street from campus and be like hey can i get a sample of that soup and who knows i might want to eat more healthier which is also important considering the lack of food options we even have on campus oh my gosh i even said that anywho trader joe's is bringing back the samples and i can't wait it's just a sign that we're slowing down in the cases here at least in long beach or california or just the country in general so i'm excited for us to get back to normal slowly but surely samples here i come baby <laughs> as you head down the street to your nearest trader joe's i just want to say thank you for listening this has been katie here see you next time on son of a beach all right we are out of here for season nine episode eight of beach weekly as always thank you so much for listening if you want to learn more about the stories we discussed today and also see all of our other very marvelous content head on over to daily49er.com and to make sure you don't miss a single thing that happens on campus so you can show up all of your friends with your news knowledge give us a follow on our socials at daily49er Lastly, be sure to pick up a copy of our brand new print issue. This month's special issue is October themed and is covering and celebrating everything LGBTQ+. Issues drop today, so pick up a copy at one of the newsstands located around campus. Have a great week, everyone. Happy midterms, and I'll meet you back here next Monday. <laughs>